Welcome to Shitless. That's Chris Kitts. That's Donna Hellmuth. We're the movie podcast that dives into the grossest, most shocking films ever made, and we tell you all about them. We dig through the shit so you don't have to. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, I'm doing well. Everyone is getting COVID. Yes. <laughs> Knock on wood. I have not. It's great. It's not. So I'm just not leaving my house right now with the exception yeah. of grocery stores and going to visit local friends, all two of them who aren't you. Yeah. Yes. Who have not left the house in weeks and mm -hmm. um gonna go visit james soon so that'll be good oh that's nice uh by the time this podcast comes out i will have visited james so hey past chris hope you had a good visit i hope so too yeah it, things are pretty crazy right now we are recording in january and at this time lancaster where we live is probably hitting its highest numbers for daily cases and hospitalizations ever so that's pretty scary, and my company, at least, is still having people go into the office with no precautions, no masks, or anything like that. It's very frustrating, and several of my coworkers have tested positive and aren't in the office. So it sucks. But silver linings, it seems like this uh, soup du jour of COVID is more mild, less deadly, and it's more so concentrated in, like, the mouth throat sinuses area and less so in um in your lungs so that's better we love a silver lining i guess <laughs> they're small silver linings i think uh, i'm hoping it just turns into you know another flu of the season and not like we have to shut everything down because everyone's dying i would love for that to stop yeah i suppose that you could call that the preferable situation yeah i think that's that's the way it's eventually going yeah you know it definitely sucks to see a lot of our friends and local people around lancaster who are fully vaccinated testing positive mm -hmm. it's a huge bummer and if you have recently tested positive i i hope you are okay i hope you recover quickly or even are asymptomatic because that seems to be happening a fair amount too um, so because, because of that situation, we have not really seen each other in a couple of weeks and, um, because I'm not sure when I will see you, I wanted to show you your Christmas gift as we record. That's funny. Cause I wanted to show you your Christmas <laughs> gift as we record. All right, cool. We're going to do a little gift session right now, right here on Shitless Podcast. I'm only going to show you part of your Christmas gift. Okay. I'm going to show you the whole shebang. Because I'm excited and I can't wait to give it to you so we can watch these things. Okay? Okay, you go first. John Waters movies! Yep, it is Multiple Maniacs and Female Trouble, the Criterion Collection versions. I'm so excited. We're going to fucking watch, watch them. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to Karen Kilgariff style experience <laughs> yeah. yourselves by watching Divine dancing down the street at the beginning of Female Trouble. I can't wait. I'm so ready for it. I need more Divine in my life. I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, she's the, ki the gift that keeps on giving and we need her now more than ever. Emily for Christmas did get me a patch that has Divine's eye makeup on it. Oh, amazing. And it just says filth is my politics, filth is my life around it. Best gift. So, so good. Yeah. It's really good. She also got me, um, have you seen Sleepaway Camp? I haven't actually. It is on my list and I keep like going to watch it. I know it's on Shudder. It's on like Amazon. And every time I go to watch it, I'm just like, ah, I need something I can laugh at. 
please promise me you will watch it with me. Yes, I will. Totally. I want to experience you experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. There's a really good line in it that's just like, eat shit and die. And then the female character whose name I can't remember goes, eat shit and live, Brad. And Emily got me a little pin that's a poop and it says eat shit and live. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Well, now we have to watch that because that's perfect. It's very campy. Yeah. Like it. I, it was not intended to be campy, I don't think. But Which is how the best just... camp often happens. Exactly. I actually, um, Brian David Gilbert released a video a couple of days ago, I think, where he bakes his five favorite cookies that are based off of his five favorite video games of 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his favorite games was Resident Evil Village. And oh, yeah. As we will know, based on our last episode, I was profoundly disappointed with Village. Mm-hmm. But he says that the more you play it, the genre changes. Yes. And that, like, the first time you play it, it's survival horror. And then the second time you play it, it becomes camp. Yes. Because you've got, like, an endless grenade launcher. And then by the third time you play it, you're an 80s action hero. And then, like, by the fourth time you play it, it's just, you're basically playing Doom at that point. <laughs> Which, that honestly does make me kind of want to replay it a little bit. I so do I'm love that. Plus it with yeah. all of my big guns. There's a lot of love for the horror, the various horror genres in Resident Evil Village. And that's kind of what made me really like it. There is very much a lot of camp in it I, I didn't play through it i did watch a playthrough and i was just like this is ridiculous this game is wild and silly and it knows it and it embraces it so i really appreciate that if i give it a second chance and then give up halfway through <laughs> i will have still seen my wife yes and um that's really i will have gotten everything out of the game i need to get yes you can just stop at like the bad aborted baby part and uh be done with it yeah i think that's all you really need might as well just really uh get my rocks off to my wife and then um just give up yeah that sounds great that's my motto for 2022 (laughs) just give up (laughs) get your rocks off to your big wife and then give up that's a great motto for 2022 i respect it so i'm only going to show you part of your christmas gift Okay. Because I want to give you the rest of it in person. Yeah. So, um, hey Donna, what movie are we talking about this week? <laughs> uh, we are talking about The Greasy Strangler. Well, Greasy. Oh my god, yes. We have, we're gonna have matching Greasy Strangler beanies, and I can't fucking wait for it. Yeah. I'm so ready. This is perfect. The, I will always remember when we went to see, um, was it The Thing? At our local yes story. the thing yeah they were doing a thing showing and the person who was working the ticket booth had yes. this hot pink beanie that said greasy on it in a cool mm-hmm. 70s font and we were like there's no way that could be about anything other except for the greasy strangler yep yeah i think we both like immediately fell in love with this person we had never seen or met before because of that beanie greasy beanies i'm so delighted thank you what a perfect gift we need to hard style in our beanies in front of a hot dog vendor god yes (laughs) so we are covering the greasy strangler for our one year anniversary episode you can't see this but chris and i are dabbing at each other on zoom yes We chose this mainly because it is a a recent favorite of ours. We saw this a couple of years ago and it immediately lit a fire with like us and our friend group. It was an immediate favorite because it is awful. It is gross. It is bizarre. It is 
completely different from anything I've ever seen really and i see it a lot of the like most quotable movie of all time it is extremely quotable um and that is that is something that comes up and, and people have said to this director as well because there's a lot of repetition of lines for some reason and i think that's just a personal preference of the director who was also co-writer on it but there's a lot of just like imminently quotable lines so it it memed itself really Quotable to the point that on the envelope that Sky, who is in the movie, he actually makes the beanies. Oh, wow. Yeah. And on the That's envelope, really cool. he um, addressed it from Big Brayden. And the address he put on it was like something, I think it was like 69 Fatty Boom Boom Ave or something. <laughs> like the whole envelope was just a big Aww. fucking joke. I love that. That makes my heart happy. Yeah. So before we get into things, before we get into the nitty gritty of the Greasy Strangler, um, let's go over some content warnings. So up front, there's a lot of graphic nudity uh, and weird, bizarre sexual situations that are secondhand embarrassing. There's a lot of secondhand embarrassment in this movie. If that really like messes you up or makes you very upset, just be aware of that going into this. There's a lot of very awkward, secondhand embarrassing situations. Obviously, there is strangling in this movie, quite a bit of it, and neck trauma. There are very pronounced, disgusting sounds in the sound design of the movie if you have misophonia. There is also eye trauma, cannibalism, references to scat and scatophilia. There's some misogyny and allusions to child sexual abuse. But it's hard to describe... I often refer to this movie as a, a sensorial nightmare because there is a lot of visual and audible nastiness. It's gross. There's a lot of stuff that is gross to look at and gross to hear. They really, they really hone in on sloppy... It's the most texturally upsetting film I think I've ever seen. Yes, yes. There's a lot of wet, gross sounds. There's a lot of really, really bizarre, gross textures. Yeah. So just be aware of that going into this. Um, yeah. It's gross. And that's why it's on this podcast. <laughs> it's a greasy time. And it is. like a lot of the stuff that is content warning worthy honestly does not happen on screen. Like the child sexual assault mm -hmm. is a thing that is mentioned in conversation yeah. uh, that we do not see. It's interesting because none of the characters are fat shamed to their faces, but there are like allusions to fat shaming characters or like slut shaming characters yeah. but it is never like to their faces in the movie it's always like in passing reference to those characters when they are not present but there is that right but honestly this movie is a very weird movie to do content warnings for because overall like for how gross this movie is it is also very innocuous in a way i don't know yeah, there's also a lot of sweet things about this movie that I didn't really think about until I was writing up the, like, format for this episode and was like, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I will say there is a lot of gaslighting in this. Like, yeah, this movie is Grey Gardens if it was a father and a son instead of a mother and a daughter. So there's a lot of gaslighting. Right. That's a very good thing to bring up because this ultimately is a movie about a father and son's relationship yeah. and that can be very abusive. Yes, there's a lot of codependency. Yes, that that can certainly be triggering to some people. Yeah, that's all I've got in terms of content warnings though. You really covered most of them. Okay, cool. Let's, let's get greasy. So the IMDb summary for The Greasy Strangler is... Ronnie runs a disco walking tour with his son, Brayden. When a sexy woman takes the tour, it begins a competition between father and son for her love. 
It also signals the arrival of an oily strangler who stalks the streets at night, which is interesting. <laughs> oily strangler somehow doesn't feel as appealing to me, honestly. Oily strangler. It just sounds like a guy who covered himself in olive oil yeah. and is running around, which isn't exactly true. Um, the greasy strangler is covered in a lot of things. God. Not just oil. Oh, God. It's very bad on the eyes. Anyway. So our cast and crew are Jim Hosking, the director, who is a British director. He also wrote and directed G is for Granddad in the ABCs of Death 2. He also did the Tropical Cop Tales for Adult Swim, also with Michael St. Michaels, the lead actor in this movie. The film was written by Jim Hosking and Toby Harvard, which I, I think they also worked together on G is for Granddad and ABCs of Death 2. Our leading actors are Michael St. Michaels, who previously had only done some bit parts. He was in The Video Dead in the 80s. But more interestingly to me, he was a celebrity hairdresser. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Michael St. Michaels plays Big Ronnie. Sky Elabar, who was in The Rocker and Under the Silver Lake, plays Big Brayden. Elizabeth Durazzo, who was also in Eastbound and Down, The 33 and Idiot Sitter, plays Janet who was the aforementioned sexy woman on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to shout out the soundtrack to this movie yeah. because it is so perfect. I love this soundtrack so much. It's so different. It's so unique. It's so notable. And it's so perfect for the movie. Mm -hmm. And it was done by Andrew Hung. Andrew Hung is a, a British musician who's also in a band called, or a duo called The Fuck Buttons. Oh, are you serious? Yes. I've heard of The Fuck Buttons. Yep. Um, they're an electronic duo who've been around since the early 2000s, and one half is Andrew Hung, who did the soundtrack, and I absolutely love the soundtrack. It's hard to describe. Parts of it are like listening to the Lollipop Guild get strangled, and I call those tracks like, what was it, Tiny Voice Beats or Tiny Voice Funk, because it's just vocalization that's been distorted crazily. And then there are other, I think the one that I'm thinking of is called, it's either Fizzy Barf or Get on the Grease, which is just like beats to walk around town to. Yeah, it's just a great soundtrack for, for bopping around your, your daily uh, routine with. And I love that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so well done. I also wanted to note that this movie was produced in part by SpectraVision, which is owned by Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah, who also did Mandy mm -hmm. and The Color Out of Space. Mm -hmm. So I saw Elijah Wood's name come up in the credits and was like, that seems to track. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> if you're familiar with everything Elijah Wood has done post Lord of the Rings, this movie and having his name attached to it, you see it and you almost know what you're in for to an extent. <laughs> yeah. And then after you've seen the movie, you're like, yeah, that tracks. It completely makes sense. Our tagline for the movie is none, question mark. I could not find one. And there is none listed. It speaks for itself. So the box office for The Greasy Strangler was just over 67000 worldwide. Huh. It made very little money, but that's because it didn't have a theatrical release. I thought so, okay. 
It premiered at Sundance in 2016 and got a lot of press and a lot of attention, but it never had a real theatrical release. The runtime is just 93 minutes. I love that. Mm -hmm. Great, great runtime. That's all you need, really. I don't need anything else out of this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know what, Greasy Strangler? Yeah. You're perfect the way you are. Exactly. And it doesn't have a rating, obviously, because it was not theatrical released. So, Chris, had you seen The Greasy Strangler before? I might have seen, this might be the movie I have seen the second most number of times. <laughs> or it's, it's definitely, yeah. like, in the top five of, like, movies I have watched repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the only movies I've seen more than this are The Exorcist and Climax, of all things. Huh. Which is a Gaspar Noé film. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, it is the least Gaspar Noé of all of his films, I believe. But uh, Right, that's the one with the dancers, right? Yeah. Okay. So I have seen that movie many times. It's a very good movie to just get high to mm. and then just like look at people have mental breakdowns. Yeah, that makes sense. I think this is probably the third most repeatedly watched movie I, of my lifetime. I love this film. Yeah. Yes. And it is a film. This is not just a movie. This is art with an E. <laughs> it's yes. not intended to be. Arte. It is. it is arte. Yeah, I, I have also seen this. We have watched this together at least once, if not twice. I think when this came into our lives, we just started showing it to everyone we know. Yes. Um, everyone that we know, asterisk, who would be into this. Yes. Like, literally watched it twice in the same weekend the first time yeah. I saw it. Because I was exactly. just like, I need this again. Oh I need my to god. Just repeat this. Uh, so because we, we have seen it, we know it, and we love a lot about it, I'm going to hold off on, like, the, de- the details until uh, after we do our synopsis. Okay. So let's get into the plot of the greasy strangler honestly i highly encourage if you are listening to this podcast if you are into this kind of stuff you should go watch it if you are a fan of tim and eric if you like tim and eric if you like weird bizarre black comedy dark comedy uh, gross stuff or just like really offbeat weird things you're going to like this so i highly recommend watching it you can watch it for free right now on amazon prime with some commercials which I found pretty inoffensive. I watched it that way. But it's also worth buying the DVD or just paying to see it in general. Yeah, I would say especially because it didn't have a theatrical release. Like, buying this movie is more important than it is for, like, some of our other films we've covered. Completely worth it. And and as we mentioned before, the actors in this are relative unknowns. So any kind of residuals that they get, they totally deserve. (laughs) Because they put... A lot, capital A, capital L, into this movie. They really put themselves on the line And for this. they love this movie. I yeah. think we're both part of the Facebook group, Greasy Strangler Bullshit Artist posting, and like both Michael <laughs> yeah. St. Michael's and Sky are in there. Yeah. They like interact in that group. There's other people who were involved in the production of the film who are in that group as well. Like it really feels like the people who were involved in making this film like really love this weird piece of cinema that they were a part of and like love to see people's fan works of it really love to interact with the fans like this is very much a movie that if this sounds like something you want to watch like please buy it like support the incredible humans who helped make this truly unique film yes hard agree so uh, as i'm about to get into this i'm obviously going to go into detail we're going to go scene by scene but i don't want to really give everything away so if you haven't seen it it's worth pausing here and just going to watch it but let's get into it 
the movie begins in a, a pretty average looking uh, middle America house. Where do you think this is supposed to take place? I think it's intentionally left ambiguous. It's kind of suburban. It almost looks like Pittsburgh to mm-hmm. me. So where do you think it takes place? I'm not sure. It kind of gives me the same vibes of the, like, I can't believe it's not Detroit of It Follows a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, It Follows is explicitly in Detroit, but, like, it's framed in a very timeless way, and it reminds me of that, but mm-hmm. not in an It Follows way. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's definitely, like, this place is economically depressed. <laughs> this is kind of a place uh, where no one's really advancing, but um, anyway, so we see a, I would say, middle, maybe middle-aged man walking into a hallway in his underwear. And I, I want to give a quick description of Brayden and Ronnie. So Brayden is intentionally made to look very dumpy and unattractive. I don't think the actor is. The actor gained about 40 pounds for this oh, role. Wow. He gained a lot of weight. Yeah. So in real life, I, I think he's a good looking guy. In this movie, they made him look awful. Everyone looks bad. That is intentional. I think that's a really good thing to point out because there are a lot of shots and a lot of intentionally, like, they frame everyone to look bad. It is as unflattering as possible, basically. And I feel like there is humor at the expense of that, but it is very much not Mm -hmm. at the expense of the actual, like, cast. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think they, that's a very fine line to walk. Mm -hmm. Because the the actors that they cast are not conventionally, like, Hollywood young hard bodies. They're all, like, real people. They look like normal people who don't spend 24 hours working out and eating grass. I like grass. (laughs) You can eat grass if you want to. I won't judge, but... It, it was actually kind of nice because Janet doesn't look conventionally like tiny, skinny, blonde. And she's framed as the most attractive person in the world in this movie. Yes. I love that. I love that like a lot. all of the characters are like jaw-droppingly attracted to Janet and it's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And there's a, a significant amount of this movie in which everyone is naked. So, <laughs> so that's, there's a lot of unconventionally attractive bodies shown in this movie so there's that (laughs) there's a lot going on here but anyway this this man's name is Brayden he he goes into a bedroom where uh, his father Big Ronnie is lying in bed he is a older kind of leathery skinned man with uh white hair he sits up and Brayden gives him a cup of coffee and Ronnie remarks that some people like their coffee milky why not put a little grease on your coffee and Brayden said, that's gross. That's a gross out. And we get a close shot of Ronnie's face. And he says, you must think I'm the greasy strangler. And Brayden just says, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. Bullshit artist. And they laugh. This is our awkward, like, do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. Intro. This is our little uh, family sitcom. The quirky older man and his middle-aged son living together, being weird, and possibly being greasy stranglers. So in our next scene, we see them out and about. They are leading a group of people down a street. They are wearing bright pink outfits. They are like turtleneck sweaters and... Little shorts. Patterned shorts. Yeah, little shorts. shorts. So Ronnie and Brayden host a disco-themed walking tour. And most of the time... Uh, Ronnie is really just fucking making up what he's talking about. (laughs) It's one of those things where... 
I very feel I feel like it's very intentional, but you can't tell what he's making up and what is supposed to be true within the fiction of this movie. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I, I would love to know if Michael St. Michael's kind of improv some of this based on his background as like a celebrity hairdresser. <laughs> I was wondering that too. I like once I learned that I was like, I wonder like how much of this is him just channeling the 70s that he experienced. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I also want to point out that the group of people that they are leading on their tour, I refer to exclusively in my brain as Shutterstock men. Like, yes. They look like men you would see in stock photos and stock video of just like dudes. Yes, they're just dudes plus one lady. They're all very generic. I believe they are credited as the Indian tourist, the Senegalese tourist, and the Norwegian tourist. They don't have names. They're just rando people that you would see in like a B-roll somewhere. <laughs> it's like a Shiago situation. Yeah, yeah. It's very much Shiago. And if you guys aren't familiar with that, please YouTube Shiago. put that in our source list? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to add that to our show notes because it's really important. And I think it's, it, it is appropriate for this episode. Oh, man. Quick tangent. Mm -hmm. before the pandemic started getting really really bad again and i was taking some dj gigs i was at a gig where like one of the other djs did a lot of like deep house and like really deep bass heavy mm -hmm. music and he sampled she like the song that is used in she a go and i just was like <gasps> that's Whoa. amazing that's amazing i have never actually listened to that song separately from the b-roll video <laughs> yeah. It was, I, my mind was blown. That's I, incredible. I basically, I just, I haven't returned back from Neptune. Where yeah, no, that's fair. That would freak me out. from Neptune. Shit list the podcast. Yeah, here we are. So Ronnie and Brayden are leading this disco walking tour. And Ronnie explains that this location outside, I, I, it looks like it's literally just the back of like a store. It's like a liquor store. Yeah, it's a random store. The sign has like, beer liquor wine and then like milk yes of course <laughs> I was like the... uh combined Creamy. so he he explains that this is where the bgs came up with that fabulous spunky song night fever and then the group starts to demand free drinks because the brochure said they would get free drinks and they argue about getting free drinks big ronnie says no but they strongly insist and start chanting free drinks we believe in the power yes, of free drinks it's really important so one tourist calls him a shitty businessman. Big Ronnie says they're a bunch of cunts. And then he pulls down his shorts and shows them his very bad old white ass. He says, check, <laughs> check my, my cheeks. cheeks. And it holds on that shot for way too long. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a, a whole a whole ass minute. <laughs> a whole ass minute. Just lingering. Just just on Michael St. Michael's butt. Um, And I, I do not have the version with the commentary, but I, I read a lot of the commentary, and I believe Michael St. Michael's is like, that's way too long. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's too much of my ass. One of the tourists is a woman with very bright, curly red hair. It's like almost an Annie wig. She has a purple sweater and a purple skirt. Again, everyone in this movie is dressed the worst yeah there is an outfit later on that we refer to as a tall drink of mustard yes it is and i believe it's all women's clothing that they provide to <laughs> uh michael st michael's and sky elabar it is not flattering to anyone's bodies it is intentionally very frumpy but it's played off completely straight and if i hadn't actually uh read some of the background of this movie i wouldn't have known that it was all women's clothing no 
I also have to give credit to the actress who plays Janet. Her face acting in this film. Incredible. She's great. Award winning. She's fantastic. Uh, this woman every fucking Academy yes. Award for her face acting alone. She does a really great job in this incredibly unflattering role. She she does so good. I, I love this actress. I don't know why she isn't in more. Um, so she she is the only one left behind after all the customers walk away from Ronnie showing his big white ass. She walks up to Brayden and starts flirting with him. And Brayden is kind of like, all right, yeah, <laughs> awesome. I'm being paid attention. Whoa. They kind of agree to see each other again. In the next scene, Brayden and Ronnie are back at their home. Brayden brings up that he started talking to the woman from the tour and that he's going to have a date with her. I want to point out he is cooking sausage in his underwear. Yes. And that is how you get third degree burns, friends. Don't. Don't do it. Yes. Please don't don't cook very greasy meats without some kind of apron or clothing concealing your flesh because ouch. Ouch. Yeah, not great. Not fun. But fully, like, yeah, usually Brayden is uh, nude to the underwear while cooking. So we we get a shot of just a bunch of sausages in a pan. It's so bad. Being shuffled around in a lot of grease and liquid. But Big Ronnie does not take the news of his son having a date with a woman well. He's immediately upset by this. And he's immediately like, how could a woman be interested in you? Like, Yes. He's immediately abusive to Brayden and puts him down and says that he should go live with his mother. And this is kind of a recurring thing where he puts down Brayden, degrades him, and threatens to kick him out. Mm -hmm. Um, And in our next scene, we see a motel. And we see the tourists who we just saw earlier, except for Janet. The Shutterstock boys. The Shutterstock boys. They're at a motel trying to get snacks from a vending machine, and they're all dressed down either in a robe or in the case of the Indian tourist, he's just wearing boxer shorts. Question mark? Maybe a skirt? I don't know. They're like very tiny shorts. I think they were either purple or gold. I don't remember. It reminds me of like a vinyl shirt from the 80s that has like the gold ribbon (laughs) embroidered into it. And it cuts off on his body in a way where I spent the entire scene trying to figure out shirts yeah. or, or shorts or skirt like it looks like it could really go It looks way. like a mini skirt. It's also noted in in some of the commentary that it's the he wore it backwards for some reason. <laughs> so, I don't know, but they're trying to get chips from the machine. He says he really wants paprika ridge chips. He likes the ridges. I like the ridges. I put the tip of my tongue between the ridges because that's where the salt dust is. Yes, so he can get the chip dust. And then the, the Senegalese tourist asks what these chips are made of. And he responds, Porto. Porto. And then he's like, I cannot understand what you are saying. What are these chips made of? And he says, Porto. And this goes on. <laughs> this is a solid two minutes. Porto. Excuse me, what? Porto. Can you say that again? Porto. It continues for a very long time until finally the Norwegian tourist says, I think he is trying to say potato. And then they laugh. For another two minutes. Yeah. And then that laughter immediately stops when we pan over to see a creature. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first glimpse we get of the Greasy Strangler. How to describe what this looks like. How to paint this word picture. A half-melted stick of butter. 
Yes. It, actually, that is a great description of the Greasy Strangler. It does look like a, a partly melted stick of butter. It is Michael St. Michael's. You, we can immediately discern that it is Ronnie wearing a, like, morph suit, which is covered in, like, lumpy, gray, yellow, white nastiness. Yeah. It is slick. His hair and face are covered in lumpy, greasy, buttery stuff. It's bad. It's, it's horrifying. Also, his, his penis is out. That happens a lot in this movie. <laughs> there are a lot of prosthetic penises in this film, and none of them look yes. real, and none of them are good to look at. Yes. There's a lot of nudity, but all of the genitals are replaced with bizarre prosthetics. Yeah, or just like the most buckwild merkins I've ever seen in Janet's yes. case. Exactly. They, at first, they were like, mm, this might be a little much, but then they were like, no, this is perfect. Just commit. <laughs> Commit. I do want to backtrack to the thing you said. Like, there is no attempt in this movie to conceal that the greasy strangler is from the viewer uh, that yeah. it is Big Ronnie. Like, we yeah. always know. We know immediately. Even other characters do not. Yes. As if it wasn't obvious by him aggressively asking people if they think he's this greasy strangler out of nowhere, prompted by nothing. Yeah. Uh, here it is absolutely confirmed. This is 100% Ronnie covered in grease. Mm -hmm. So he stalks up to this motel, and we can the sound design in this movie. Is bad. Holy crap. Mm. So would I refer to this as Greasy Ronnie? Because they are almost two distinctly different characters. Yeah. Um, regular Ronnie versus Greasy Ronnie behave very differently. Greasy Ronnie pretty much always is followed by the sound effect of growling and squealing and snarling. He goes right up to the group of tourists. He grabs one man, I think it was the Norwegian man, and shoves him right through the vending machine. One of them calls him the boogie woogie. Yeah. <laughs> he punches the next man in the face and it very cartoonishly concaves his face. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he starts strangling the Indian tourists who he starts asking a lot of questions very desperately and is like, I have a lot of money. Uh, what do you want from me? There's a woman in my room. We tried There's a to woman have in sex, my room. I couldn't get a <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And his balls went back into his body after he couldn't yeah, get a stiffy, what? Is what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very panicked uh, confession time. So then Ronnie starts strangling him and he keeps asking, Am I dead yet? And then he dies. He also admits <laughs> his name is Sydney, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Great death scene. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Also, his eyes pop out of his head. Yes. Uh, that is the usual punctuation every time uh, Greasy Ronnie strangles someone to death is their eyes pop out. It's very cartoonish. It's like very CGI. It works. Yeah, it works. Next, uh, Greasy Ronnie leaves grabbing a bag of chips and then... We see that the progression of him degreasing. Uh, this is a ritual he has after every time he becomes greasy and strangles someone. He goes to a car wash and we just get a, a hard cut to him standing in the, the car wash area, getting slapped by the car wash spinners uh, and screaming. He screams a lot. Next, we see him walking out completely dry and clean and completely naked with his very bad prosthetic penis. He walks by the owner of the car wash who sits in a chair and he's blind, so he cannot his tell. His name is Big Paul. His name is Big Paul. Everyone except for like three <laughs> characters is Big Blank. Big, yes. Everyone's big. So he's, he's familiar with Ronnie. They are friends. They chat a little bit. 
Ronnie hands him a fake dollar bill that is literally just a piece of paper with, like, a dollar drawn on it. Yeah. Although he does that with other characters, too. So maybe it's not because he's blind. This might not be ableist. It might just be that the movie didn't want to use fake money. Yeah, Ronnie, they just use fake money here, I guess. They have drawn dollar bills on paper and use that as currency in this world. Then we see Big Ronnie walk into a random men's restroom, almost like just on the street. Uh, maybe it was a gas station or something. He walks in, totally nude, in public. <laughs> no one seems to care about this. A moment later, he reemerges, completely clothed. So I guess he just has caches stashed around town with clothing so that whenever he gets uh, the greasy call, he can redress himself. A greasy urge. A greasy urge. Good. I understand. Uh, he goes back to the car wash after he gets dressed, and the car wash owner, Big Paul, says, let's go disco dancing again soon. He says, yeah, I guess. But Paul says he's been too busy to go disco dancing lately, and Ronnie explains that it's because of his son. He's been having problems, he's probably a manic depressive who needs medication, and he craps the bed most nights. And then he leaves the car wash dancing and laughing. Okay, that's Big Ronnie. It's just how he That's do. just how he do. Also, the way that the actor who plays Big Paul delivers his lines just, like, makes my heart gleeful. The way he's like, let's go disco dancing again soon, Big Ronnie. Yeah. Like, yeah so good. I don't know what the choice, yeah. I don't know what the, the decision making behind any of these choices were, but he's just got a good, good way of saying his lines. Let's go disco dancing again soon, Big Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the greasy house, um, Brayden brings a cup of coffee to his father again. Ronnie remarks, now that you've got a girlfriend, you're probably going to want to move out. Brayden says that's bullshit, but Ronnie says that she's going to want him all for herself. He'll leave and I'll die of loneliness. Yeah, it's very manipulative, but Brayden says he doesn't think she's like that. He doesn't think that's going to happen. So Ronnie starts like fake crying and Brayden says to stop goofing off and they have a little laugh. And then Ronnie says he has something to tell him. (laughs) And he throws himself backwards on his bed, showing his ass, and he farts. The big fart. The big old fart. Thank you. Thank you, Big Ronnie. A good, good way of breaking the tension. So Brayden cooks breakfast, which is bacon in a pan filled with grease. He says he's making the bacon rolls especially greasy, and Ronnie says, bullshit artist. He said to make it the greasiest feast he's cooked since that goose. And Brayden serves it up with a very nasty, gooshy sound, and Ronnie just smiles maniacally. Michael St. Michael's also has good face acting, but, like, specifically, mm-hmm. he has the ability to look the most unhinged I honestly think I've ever seen a human being look. yeah he wow i tried to think of other movies that i could like compare this expression to Mm -hmm. and i I honestly cannot he is the single most maniacal looking human being when he wants to be yes he accomplishes a level of menace in his facial expressions that i both fear and envy i think the closest thing i can think of honestly art the clown yeah, holy like, those shit. Those are the two most yeah. menacing things I can think of is Michael St. Michael's. Oh my god. And Art Jesus. the Clown from Put a little Fire. makeup on him. Yeah, yeah, for real. Just that, that their own. deeply, deeply menacing smile. And I've read that Michael St. Michael uh, in real life is an incredibly kind human being oh. and just like is 
not remotely anything like Big Ronnie. So it's so interesting to me how they managed to do this in the movie. So we're back to the disco walking tour, uh, another day on the tour. Ronnie and Brayden have a couple of other tourists um, in front of a market explaining this is where Cool and the gang got their start. Sure. Cool and the whole Maybe gang. it was. Yeah. So Janet, in her little purple outfit, appears to meet up with Brayden. Ronnie demands to know who's going to cook his dinner that night if they're not going to be there. And they joke that they'll need to, he'll need to find a vendor to go get a dog. A woof woof. Yeah, they they start like barking at him and, and like being cutesy and flirty with each other. And Ronnie just says they can go fuck off. But as they walk away, we get a zoom shot on Ronnie's face as he says, I, I can on feast that on that queen's all <laughs> night long. I could feast on that queen's ass all night long. And then we get a shot of Janet, completely nude, walking a dog. In high heels. In high heels, looking over her shoulder at him as she walks away. And I, like, I literally, every time I see this movie, I forget about the shot. And I'm always just like, damn, yeah. girl. Damn. Yeah. Damn, girl. Damn. Yes. It's like the Justin Timberlake <laughs> song. Like, he's just like, damn, girl. Damn, girl. Damn, girl. Yeah. Yes. If you see that for the first time, it's very jarring. Just like, oh, whoa, oh, okay, huh? Like, that is somehow more jarring in the context of the film than when you see Ronnie's giant mouse head penis for the first time. Yeah. It is, it's so unexpected. And suddenly she's naked, walking a dog, looking over her shoulder. Also, those zoom shots on Ronnie's face are also so menacing and so upsetting and so bizarre. So we next see Brayden and Janet at dinner. She asks if his mother lives with them too, and he explains that she doesn't live with them because she left them when he was small for the man who is now her husband. He talks about his stepdad, whose name is Ricky Prickles, and how he's a coach who previously made him punch him in the abs, but his abs were like- A pack of sausages? Vacuum-packed sausages. (laughs) And how he made him do crunches with him, and also apparently molested him. He just kind of throws that out there. It's very jarring, the way it's so casual. Which, honestly, yeah. like, it feels very real in a way for, like, people who have survived yeah. sexual assault sometimes will just, like, in my case, I know I will be like, oh, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And people will be like, what? Like, oh, yeah, what? I was molested. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely happens. And Janet doesn't really react to this at all. She just kind of says, yeah. that's crapola. She also, after <laughs> his, like, whole story says... Not all girls like ripped up abs. And Big Brayden goes, yeah. yeah, some girls like loyal hearts. Yeah, and he smiles, the most goober-ass yeah. smile. Honestly, their meet-cute is very good. It's pretty cute. It does. It certainly takes a turn later, but it is cute at first. Janet looks sadly down at her food, and Brayden asks what's wrong. But Janet mentions that the other tourists that she was with the other day had been murdered. Brayden just pats her hand and says, hey, 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 listen. Yeah, and that's it. That's all, that's all that happens with that horrifying news that the people that she was with were murdered. And then he sensuously eats a sausage at her and my testicles crawled back inside of my body. Yeah, everyone's testicles are now internal organs. After this, we see Ronnie walking up to a hot dog vendor in the middle of a very dark, very empty street. This guy looks like, um, oh, um, Sleazy P. Martini from Guar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Ronnie demands a dog from the hot dog vendor. 
who says he'll get him a dog, extra pecant, yeah? Pecant. Pecant. Ronnie looks at the hot dog that he has served and immediately demands more oil, more grease. It needs to lubricate the world. The hot dog vendor says he can't. He could lose his license. Ronnie says, you probably think I'm the greasy strangler. That's why you won't grease my dog. He throws his fake drawn-on dollars to the ground, which distracts the vendor long enough for Ronnie to go around to the grease trap under the vendor's cart. And the the vendor warns him not to, but Ronnie says, Ronnie's going to dunk his dog all all the way in. I'm going to dunk Big Ronnie's dog all the way in. And he does. And then he announces, this dog is fully dunked. This dog is fully dunked. (laughs) Thank you. If you've never said that upon penetrating a partner, (laughs) are you really living your best life? All of these are good things to say to your partner during intercourse. (laughs) This is actually, uh, this episode is just Intercourse 101. We're teaching you, the listener, how to have sex. Yeah, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. 100% 100% good pillow 100% talk. 100% pure love. Pure moods. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> just shot up from a dead sleep. I don't know if she's sleeping. I'm pretty sure she's making preserves. <laughs> but she just shot up from a dead sleep because that is the first CD she ever bought. And she did buy it from the commercial <laughs> with the unicorn running through an Elysian field. While Return to Innocence by Delirium plays softly in the background. Yes. Hey, and the surprise... Uh, uh, this audio quality would be incredible. Incredible. There's also subliminal messaging from the Greasy Strangler before it was even made on that CD. It's true. So Brayden and Janet go back to Brayden's house and they sit in his room. He tells her about the fantasy books that he's writing and a lot of them are about trolls. It's a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons style fantasy. And Janet says he must have a pretty big amulet. And Brayden says he doesn't own an amulet. <laughs> Like, completely straight face. (laughs) Completely straight. And then Janet lifts her shirt to expose her breasts, and it's extremely awkward and uncomfortable to watch all of this. It's the worst. does, like, a slow incline (laughs) towards one of her nipples, and she's like, she's like, no. do that. Yeah. And then his response is, hey, where's my dad? Where's my dad? Which, yeah. Again, intercourse 101. Ask where your dad is. Yep. It's sure to fire up the mood. And then we get a cut to Ronnie on a park bench eating his dunked dog like a fucking animal. Yeah, <laughs> like he's he is completely like the feral. Full bisexual goblin eating experience. Yes. Yep. It's horrifying to look at. And then we see the hot dog vendor again. He is returning to his trailer. He goes into the trailer bathroom, pops open the door behind it, and then sits down on the toilet. From the darkness outside, we see a now fully greasy Ronnie approach. He wraps his hands around the vendor's throat and starts to choke him as we get a sound cue of pig squealing, uh, which is very wild to listen to. And he does this up until the hot dog vendor's eyes pop out, which Greasy Ronnie then fries and eats in his own little uh, solo dinner date with himself. Yeah, he even has a little candle. Yeah, it's very romantic for Greasy Ronnie. He's having his own little date while his son is having a date. Yeah. 
So then we get the the ritual of uh, the car wash being slapped by car wash rollers while screaming and then emerging completely clean and dry. The car wash owner, Paul, mentions that he's getting a lot of car washes these days and Ronnie asks what he's implying. Paul says he's just making pleasantries and Ronnie says to keep it to himself, insisting that he is not the greasy strangler. And then it's daylight and Ronnie and Brayden are just kind of standing outside. <laughs> They're just standing there. And then we see a man with a large pig nose and leopard-spotted hot pants walking up to them. This is the most important character. Yes, we love Oinker. This is Oinker. He says hello to Brayden and asks if he's ready to hit the horror house. And then Ronnie admonishes Brayden for going out twice in a row. Brayden tries to push back and Oinker remarks that Brayden told him that he made he trumpeted a real stinker the other day. And then we get a zoom shot on Ronnie's face as he just seethes. Mm -hmm. It's long and uncomfortable. And then he says he's going with them to the horror house. He is free tonight, so he is going to go with them to the horror house tonight. And then he compliments Oinker's shoes. And we get a shot of Oinker's shoes. And they're like a hunter green suede flat. <laughs> yeah, like little ballet flats. Yeah. And Oinker is renting them and absolutely loving it. <laughs> yes. This actor is also incredible. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so we much. Love Oinker. Oinker is perfect. Oinker is perfect. And then he oinks. He does, in fact, oink. And Brayden loves that. So they go to the horror house and Ronnie gets a bucket of popcorn and naturally needs more grease on it. He then goes behind the counter to grab just like a bucket of grease that they have for some reason to pour onto the popcorn. And they Yo, love that. I love popcorn. It's my favorite food. Yeah. And this made me be like... Very nasty. It's very bad. The The grease that they use, like most of my questions about this movie are about some of their props and effects and I could not find enough about how they made some of the grease and textures. Yeah. It The grease that they pull for this popcorn and for the hot dogs looks like uh, it's not even a liquid. It's so viscous, but it's so smooth. It's mm -hmm. like shampoo. It looks like shampoo. Yeah, it's, it's awful to look at. And then the other times they use tapioca pudding. Yeah. So we know what that is, mm -hmm. but whatever they're using for these two particular shots, it's like... Bad. It does not look edible. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is more viscous than shampoo. Yes. The thing. It's very thick and very yellow. It's like yellow gold. Ugh. But anyway, um, next we see a sad little vigil of two people uh, holding candles and singing a song next to the hot dog vendor's hot dog cart. Oinker, clearly bitten by Ronnie, sneaks up to the cart and steals the grease trap from the cart. Um, they go back to Ronnie's house where Brayden and Oinker, while laughing, cook the grease while Ronnie pounds on the table. It's, it sounds like a wild night for the boys. So next, Brayden has Janet over for dinner. They sit at the table and slowly eat, I think it's garlic bread. It's baguette with... Yeah, they, they specifically talk baguettes. about it. They're making baguettes with Parmesan cheese and lardons, lardons. which are cubes of ham. Yes, exactly. So while, while they have dinner, Ronnie is just going to town on his baguette, very, very sensually licking the olive oil and cheese off of his bread. He remarks to Janet that he's been making his own olive oil extra virgin. And, and next we, we see Brayden and Janet 
getting naked and having sex and it's very awkward and Brayden just keeps asking like this it like this is this good over and over and over again like they apparently removed all of the audio from Janet's side so that it is only Brayden you can only hear him asking like this like this like this Janet it's so bad like this I don't know if I'm doing it right Janet yeah so next we see Ronnie standing in his bedroom putting olives into a food processor or juicer I think it's a juicer I think it's a juicer as he makes olive Nakedly. oil completely naked nakedly <laughs> extremely naked oil. very nakedly <laughs> in the next morning Janet comes downstairs in her underwear and her purple sweater and Ronnie's sitting at the table oh god she asks him <laughs> yeah I think he's naked also um sitting at the the dinner table she asks if he has any disco disco tours line up for that day and Ronnie completely ignores that question and asks if she likes oily grapefruit <laughs> as he pours grease over half of a grapefruit that has like a little cherry in the middle of it the grease is just like it looks like an extra thick brown gravy it's bad this is the worst i can barely watch this scene because of how disgusting it is janet says nothing and just watches him while he like rubs and penetrates this fucking grapefruit and licks it and it's the worst thing i've ever seen and I've seen some bad shit. <laughs> it's really bad to look at. In the next scene, we see Janet Being on forever. the toilet in the bathroom just pissing. Forever. She pees forever. But she noticed that there's a shadow on the other side of the bathroom door. And she asks who's there. And Ronnie says it's him. She asks if everything is okay. And Ronnie just says he wanted to watch her pee. She says peeing, peeing is, is private. private. And he says, yeah, usually. But he has teeth to brush. So he just lets himself into the bathroom and starts brushing his teeth while watching her pee. This is my fucking nightmare. Like, do you remember, like, having sleepovers at other people's houses when you're a kid and you're not really familiar with the house and you're just, like, doing your private stuff and you're so afraid that someone's going to come into the bathroom? (laughs) This is that anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a good way of putting it. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So next we see Janet outside sitting. You missed the horrifying part, which is Uh he comes in, starts brushing his teeth and says, keep peeing, I won't look, and then makes firm eye contact and winks. As he watches her pee. Yeah, he winks at her while she finishes peeing. And again, this is a complete nightmare to me. Next, Janet is outside on the lawn in a very rusty lawn chair smoking a cigarette. Brayden comes out. drink of mustard. Tall drink of mustard. He's wearing head-to-toe mustard yellow shirt and pants. It's very swishy as well. So it's very yellow, very swishy. He sits down in the lawn chair next to her and asked if they're exclusive since his father apparently just watched her pee. She doesn't respond. In this scene, she's just like silent and kind of like nodding sometimes and smiling and being very mysterious and coy. He asks her if she likes him and she nods and then shakes her head and smiles and they laugh and Brayden is just kind of like dazzled by her and confused but excited. And then we pan up to the second floor of the house and we see Big Ronnie again completely naked hanging over the second floor balcony just gritting his teeth and seething as he watches them. 
So I guess they go back to Brayden's room and do some more gross stuff there. But more importantly, we see Greasy Ronnie breaking into Oinker's apartment. Oinker, his apartment is basically empty except for an armchair and a television, which is already just showing static. So Oinker was, I guess, just hanging out watching static on the television. Seven days, man. Seven days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. Greased up Ronnie strangles Oinker, sadly. But Oinker, uh, it, at first he says he's dying, but then things are getting brighter. And then he's kind of into it. And finally, as he dies, he says, fuck, this is amazing. Rip Oinker, he realized his true fetish in his death. <laughs> yep. We stan a legend. We, yes, truly, we appreciate this man. The next part is oh, gross. Ronnie just kind of takes off Oinker's nose with no resistance whatsoever, which makes me wonder if the nose was supposed to be real or if it was concealing a very, very, very bad facial situation. So under the pig nose is just an open cavity that shows like meat he and, doesn't and have blood. The cartilage that creates your nose. It's just the open hole in your skull. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Yeah, it's just an open hole, and and Ronnie then kind of dips and flicks his finger around in it, and then tastes it. Yeah. And he's kind of like, eh, eh, and I guess he just leaves. He's done. He didn't like that, I guess, and goes back to the car wash to complete the greasy cycle. Back on the tours, uh, Ronnie and Brayden are walking around. Uh, Ronnie says that he wants to spend more time with Janet, but Brayden resists, obviously knowing that his father is up to something nefarious. Brayden says that he's a smoothie, and Ronnie gets extremely upset and threatens to evict Brayden if he doesn't let him take Janet out. Ultimately, Brayden relents, saying, I trust you, Dad. There's so much gaslighting in this scene, because the in- There's the entire a lot. time Ronnie's like, she's gonna take advantage of you, I don't want you to get hurt. He's basically making the argument through gaslighting that he should get to vet Janet. Yeah, exactly. When obviously his intent is going to ruin his son's relationship intentionally. We also get a a quick pose from Ronnie. He says, I'm big Ronnie and I'm back to no one. It's very anime of him. Yeah, yes, it is. But there's no one around. It's just an empty street. There's no like, it's not like hyped up or anything. It's just this old man. So next we see uh, Ronnie getting ready for his night on the town. He is wearing a, like, very 70s suit. The lore suit with a deep V cut that is, like, a sheer window. And then around his crotch is also <laughs> a sheer transparent window where you see his awful weird penis fully on display. It's very bad. And also his hair is extremely feathered in yeah. this scene. Very, very strong Farrah Fawcett vibes. Yeah. If the eyes are the window to the soul, what is the penis <laughs> yeah. the window to? What is, yes, what is the penis window for? So he says he plans to take Janet to a very exclusive club with very expensive cocktails. High quality creme cocktails. Brayden warns him not to be a smoothie with Janet, and Ronnie doesn't seem super swayed by this, nor does he try very hard to convince his son that he's not going to do that thing. Brayden pretty much calls bullshit artist on him, and he is kind of like, you're right, and then leaves, and Brayden cries. Ronnie and Janet go to the club, 
and their dancing is incredible. It is a lot of just moving hips back and forth. Janet just kind of moves her arms stiffly around her. Yeah. And then there is a a third man near them who slowly gets closer, who is also just kind of thrusting (laughs) his hips. We actually do in the very end. It's the same guy, I believe. He shows up at the end, I think, as one of the executioners, but that's a little spoiler alert. But yes, there's just this random man there who tries to get in on that dancing. Afterwards, oh god, there's just a lot of visible penis here. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) It's really bad. And the music is full of tiny voice beats. It's a really styling night. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's like if Sigur Ross like just <laughs> got real demented. Yeah, yeah, very like upbeat electronic Sigur Ross. So next we see them sitting on a park bench and boy, does Ronnie have the full spread going on and you get a great view of like the prosthetic penis plus balls situation. Ronnie is regaling Janet uh, of how he used to be a nightclub owner who booked a lot of disco acts and he tells her about the time that he spent with Michael Jackson uh, meeting women and pumping away at them and spraying hot milky cum on them. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She just kind of, she just looks at him and is like, wow, wow, okay, yeah, wow, that sounds amazing. And then he tries to kiss her, but she rejects him and says that she's kind of in love with his son. And Ronnie kind of just says, bullshit, kiss, kiss my hot cherry lips. Kiss his juicy cherry lips. Yes. She says she can't do that and she leaves. And Ronnie calls her a bullshit artist. But at least in this moment, she she tried to resist and reject him. So kudos in this moment. That does not last, unfortunately. But on his way home, more importantly, we get this scene, which is Big Ronnie alone on a sidewalk. Suddenly there is a floodlight on him and he starts to dance. Dance is a word you could use. It is... A movement. <laughs> An arrhythmic yeah. sort of it's, forward motion. It's very dancing in the rain to the wrong kind of music. There is no rain. There is nothing romantic about this. It is just a creepy old man with a penis window dancing down a sidewalk up until the spotlight turns off and he just walks away like nothing happened. What? Yeah. No, yeah. Perfect. I love a dance routine. It's yeah. very divine dancing yes. down the street at the beginning of Female Trouble. Yes, but there's no one there. There's yeah. It's just a dark, empty street, and it feels like a dream, a fever dream, and or a liminal space with this cryptid yep. creature with full, full penis. If I'm ever so walking home alone at night, I think I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah. And just see if it repels anyone who might try and talk to me. Yeah, I hope so. Back at the house, Janet comforts Brayden in his bedroom. She tells him nothing happened and that they just talked. And Ronnie told her about his nights with Michael Jackson, but Brayden explains it wasn't the real Michael Jackson. It was an impersonator who cruised as a male prostitute. Wow. His words. That is the exact (laughs) Yes. Yeah. He asked if his uh, dad tried to get smooth on her and she doesn't really answer. But suddenly he gets a call and he learns that Oinker is dead. Um, he just turns to Janet and says that he's shit scared, which is a phrase that he used pretty often from this point onward. 
they go to Oinker's apartment to investigate, and Oinker's dead body is still there, exactly as Ronnie yeah, left him. And this actually makes the the weird face situation with the corpse makeup is really, like, extra mm-hmm. upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Brayden confirms that's definitely Oinker. That is his friend. And uh, he needs a moment to process. So they go to the kitchen table and eat cheese curls, which I find relatable. <laughs> when I'm upset, I, too, sit at the kitchen table and just eat cheese curls. What a fucking mood. Yeah. So Brayden says he's going to investigate the greasy strangler, strangler killings himself. Janet says that's too dangerous, but Brayden says he's not afraid of dying. He's going to expose the greasy strangler, and then he's going to kill him. Janet makes a face and then howls for no reason. Okay. In every way but physical, she is. <laughs> yes. Yep. Brayden then grabs a cigarette carton and scoops up a nasty bit of sloppy grease on the floor, which is a very uh, tapioca pudding nastiness. And then he turns to Janet, tells her that he's falling for her, and he's shit scared. He has to expose the greasy strangler, and Janet just sits there eating cheese curls. Again, relatable. (laughs) This movie does make me really want cheese curls every time I watch it. They have, like the platonic ideal of a cheesy poof yes. on the, the little plate. And I'm yeah. always just like, mm. That looks great. So Brayden brings the grease sample home and puts it on a slice of toast to serve to Ronnie. Ronnie takes a bite of it and remarks that it's delicious. What is it? It's not the usual oil they put on the toast. And Brayden says he knows where he got it. And Ronnie then runs upstairs uh, growling and screaming. <laughs> In a- also relatable. <laughs> yes. Brayden calls Janet and tells her he thinks his dad might be the greasy strangler. And then they have phone sex and it's really bad. And we get to see Brayden's weird, very tiny penis. And it's really bad. I just love the line. Let's have phone sex quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Completely straight. Just like, let's have phone sex quickly. After telling her that he thinks his dad is a homicidal maniac. Also, we learn that his tiny penis is named Rodney. Yeah. Also, hate it. Hate it a lot. It's really bad. All of this is bad. Anyway, so once they're done having phone sex, Brayden goes into the next room to find his dad. But opening the door, the room is empty. Um, Ronnie has gone to the car wash again, this time to ask the car wash owner, Paul, to go disco with him. And he farts in his face. And Paul says, fuck, that's that scene. (laughs) Back at the house. (laughs) Brayden serves Ronnie and Paul, the car wash owner, dinner. Uh, Ronnie says that they're going to go boogie tonight and Brayden asks if he can come with them. But Ronnie asks Paul and Paul says, no, absolutely not. Paul and Ronnie have a good laugh about this, but Brayden is clearly very hurt. Ronnie takes one bite of his food and then just pours a bunch of oil on it. Ugh. Then Ronnie and Paul go out on a night in the town and Ronnie is still remarking on how he thinks Brayden is a manic depressive and needs medication as they're walking out the door with Brayden behind them. (laughs) Rude. So Brayden, once they're gone, raids his father's room looking for evidence and he finds a notebook full of crude, sexy drawings of Janet and it's real gross and real weird. It reminds me of, oh my gosh, uh, 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 American Psycho. What is yeah oh, yes Patrick Bateman's little book of drawings? His little yes no that's one hundred percent true. It's very much like that, but it's all like really weird, bizarre sex acts with Janet. Yeah, there's like some weird impalement. There's like us. Yeah, her riding a unicorn while he just comes rain like. <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. So Brayden calls Janet, tells her to come over. 
they do gross sex stuff and then they sit on a big fancy couch naked. Brayden says that he's scared and then Janet leaves the house only to run into Ronnie who was literally waiting behind a bush until she emerged. And then he comes out and says she looks deliciously sexy tonight. Ronnie says that they danced a lot and had a lot of creamy a lot cocktails. Of cows got milked so that we could have fun tonight. And then Janet asks him, "Yeah, did you spray any girls with that hot milky cum?" Yep. Perfectly normal conversations between two real human beings. This is how you should engage in your next yes. prospective partner. Ask them if they would like to do um, something sensual. Yes. Come inside and do something sensual. Yep. And they do. They do that thing for some reason. Janet goes inside with Ronnie and it sucks. The sound cue that happens in this next scene sounds like bubbles? (laughs) And Ronnie is going down on Janet and her giant merkin. Then pours a lot of olive oil on her and starts rubbing her. And he says, feels good, yeah. And Brayden is crying. (laughs) uh the next morning ronnie and janet are laying in bed together ronnie remarks that they must have fucked all night and janet looks under the sheets at ronnie's weird terrible prosthetic penis it goes down to his knee like it's yeah really upsetting it's very awful in every way it's very pointy and he says it looks like a massive mouse's head doesn't it And they laugh and Janet is laughing with exactly zero expression on her face. There's no joy, no joy in this laugh. Back on the disco tours, Ronnie says that he's officially dating Janet and Brayden and Ronnie have a blow up. They start calling each other bullshit artist, horseshit artist, bullshit. Janet and I are exclusive. There's no reason to talk of this anymore. Bullshit artist. 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 You, sir, are a horseshit artist. I call bullshit on that. Ronnie says he's detecting the unmistakable scent of... And he just keeps wafting air into his face for like five fucking minutes and then says horseshit. So they have this exchange of just calling each other bullshit and bullshit artists in various different ways that takes a very, very long time. It does escalate to include horse shit, cat shit, tiger shit, lion shit, duck shit, walrus shit, penguin shit, and king penguin shit. (laughs) Yes. Many different types of shit are listed here. You might say it's a shit list. Oh my god. (laughs) Podcast over. Touche. Touche. Fuck. We're done. End it. End it. So Brayden finally says, you claimed her pussy, but you never claimed her heart. That's my chest piece. That's I know. For real. Holy shit. Great line. Uh, Ronnie then grabs Brayden and threatens to evict him again. And Ronnie just fucking storms off and Brayden sadly mopes behind him. So back at the house, Janet is literally sitting in Ronnie's lap centrally feeding him pasta while ronnie remarks that the pasta is perfect just the right amount of oil you could serve this at any restaurant etc etc fantabulously greasy yeah exactly and brayden is just fucking miserable we see ronnie and janet have sex again in again one of the worst scenes of the movie 
Uh, Ronnie remarks that he usually sits, shoots at least six ropes of cum. He says he's the Spider-Man of Cocktown. Janet says he's the Tarzan of cum jungle. And then afterwards, Ronnie says she's not just another hot, wet pussy, but she's a hootie tootie disco cutie. And this is important. It is important. This is important for the movie and for us. It's because now they start chanting hootie tootie disco cutie together over and over and over while naked. Hootie tootie disco cutie. I'm a hootie tootie disco cutie. Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie! Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie! Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie! Brayden comes in and asks them to stop, and he's losing his mind, and he's crying, and now it's the killer song. <laughs> There's a part where Big Ronnie turns around while doing this, and he, like, grabs his butt cheeks and, like, makes it look like his butt's saying it, and Brayden just goes, It's Janet! your ass! Yeah. Oh, no, Janet, Janet does. does that. Yes. That's important because I have a note about that later. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, no, they just, they, they chant Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie into the night until Brayden runs out into the street and collapses, cry- screaming and crying and just breaking. Very sad day for Brayden, but a very good day for us because that is when Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie entered our lives yeah. and our lexicons forever. It's, it's stuck there. Oh, yeah, forever. So they go back on the disco tour. Brayden and Ronnie just kind of stop. The scene is interesting because nothing really happens. But Ronnie just looks at Brayden, gritting his teeth, and he starts growling like a greasy strangler. And it's almost like Ronnie is going to kill Brayden. But Ronnie walks away before he does. In the next scene, we see them sitting on the couch together while Ronnie eats a very greasy hot dog. Janet comes over. So Ronnie and Janet are off doing stuff. In the meantime, Brayden occupies himself with working on his book, checking himself out in the mirror, and kind of practicing on his lines to get Janet back. Brayden encounters Janet naked in the kitchen while she's grabbing a glass of water. Uh, They have a brief exchange, and he tells her about the book he's working on. He tells her that he's been dreaming about her, and he asks if she misses him. Uh, She says, yeah, she sort of misses him. Brayden says that he's lost and he still loves her. And Janet says, honestly, it's good to hear. And as Brayden is like continuing to confess his love for Janet and she kind of reciprocates this, the camera pans back so that we see the next room over and we see Big Ronnie standing naked in the corner of this room, listening in, doing nothing, standing completely still, but definitely just seething silently. And it's extremely creepy. (laughs) When Janet goes back up to Ronnie's bedroom, though, there's no one there. He's not there. There's nothing but a splotch of familiar grease on the carpet, which she scoops up with her fingers to taste and smell. And like, why? Why would you do that? No. So we see Ronnie at the car wash doing his normal ritual, but the car wash is running and we don't see Ronnie. We don't see him getting cleaned off. He's still in strangly, greasy mode. So then we see Paul who's sitting in his usual chair and greasy Ronnie is creeping around him. Paul says, take me disco dancing, big Ronnie. And Greasy Ronnie strangles him, making weird pig sounds. And we get the tiny voice melody as Paul dies. Tiny voice symphony. Yes. Ode to tiny voice. (laughs) Uh, Ronnie then grabs a saw from a nearby table. Don't know why that's there, but there is one. And he 
cuts Paul's head off, he dances with it, and then he throws it into a basketball yeah. net. And then he finishes his car wash process. Rip, Paul. Rip, Paul. We appreciated not you. Not as upset about it as I was Oinker. Yeah, not not as important as Oinker, but still a loss. Next we see Brayden making a call to someone. He says that he wants to talk because he thinks his father is the greasy strangler. After the call, he turns to Janet to explain that a detective is coming tomorrow, and his name is Jody. Ah, uh, Jody. Jody. How to describe Jody. Very, very important. Very important. Jody is pivotal. So the next scene begins with us seeing a set of trash cans outside the house against the fence, and we see a hand reaching up out of the garbage cans and wrap around the fence with a very long claws. Yeah, these are the worst looking (laughs) prosthetic fingernails I've ever seen. And by worst, I don't mean that they look like bad prosthetics. They are long and unpainted and curved and Mm -hmm. flat tipped and Mm -hmm. just bad to look at. Very bad. And just like this scene of the hand coming out of the garbage cans to grab the the top of the fence with those fucking claws was so upsetting to me. I was like, oh my god, this is about to become really horrific. But then we see Michael St. Michaels stands up. It's to us. This is obviously Ronnie in disguise. He is wearing a fake mustache. He is wearing sunglasses and like a cravat. Some like mildly different clothing and obviously extremely long fingernails that are incredibly upsetting and braces he is also wearing braces for some reason braces for some reason braces so this creature emerges from behind the garbage cans and he approaches the front door brayden answers and he introduces himself as jody he has a very weird kind of french accent that's very bad he says that if his hunch is correct, Brayden may be the son of the Greasy Strangler. And Janet and Brayden play this completely straight. They do not recognize that this is Ronnie. They fully believe that this is a detective named Jody. Yes. Brayden takes Jody up to his father's bedroom to show him the, the patch of grease on the floor and explains that it looks like the oil from the murder scene at Oinker's apartment. Oh God. Jody gets down on his knees oh and begins to stroke the patch of grease on the floor with his very long nails. But like with the backs of his nails? Yeah, he like just brushes the backs of his nails against this lumpy substance and then brushes it against his cheeks. He says the oil is scrumptious and very, very good, good for the skin. skin. Brayden says it's evidence, but Jody says, did you know Jody needs to oil his glasses? And kind of taps <laughs> his glasses. He says that they will discuss the case downstairs, but first he needs to wash his face. I love Jody, but only Jody. I don't love Big Ronnie. I only love Jody and Jody the fact is a that a soft-spoken detective with mm-hmm. nothing left to lose. It's true. So, back down at the dinner table, Jody and Brayden and Janet are sitting down together. Jody explains that his dada may be the greasy strangler, but he cannot take the case any further. Do not inquire any further. Please, Please end, end all, all inquiries here yes he also says there's no evidence yeah yes brayden asks about the grease on the floor um jody says that it is circumstantial and repeats please end all inquiries here please end all inquiries here and then we get the best part which is where he like says please end 
all. And then he, like, points at Janet, and she finishes the line for him. Please end all inquiries here. Come on, Jody, please. Please end all inquiries here. Correct. Yes, it's fantastic. But Brayden says that he knows his dad's the greasy strangler and will just have to expose him on his own. And then Janet takes his hand and says, not on your own. So at this point, Jody excuses himself. He leaves the table and then he goes to look into a mirror. His reflection says, Jody needs to go now. But Jody does not say this. It is only his reflection. Jody then leaves the house. He retrieves a set of clothes from the mailbox directly in front of the house and changes into them, getting back into Big Ronnie mode. Later, Brayden and Janet lie together in the red room. Yeah, she says she's glad she met him and that her previous relationship was bad. As they confess their love for each other and have a nice time, we pan down to see Ronnie underneath the bed, literally convulsing with rage. He then climbs out from under the bed and tells them that Ronnie or Brayden wouldn't even exist if he hadn't flown out of his long, juicy prickus. <laughs> yep. Uh, he tells Brayden that he is forbidden to marry and that he is evicted. Janet says that he can just move in with her. She doesn't even mind that he craps in the bed. She'll just rub it on her titties. And then they start to chant Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie until Ronnie storms this out. This is where I think Janet's face acting really becomes Academy Award winning because she's oh, yeah. saying Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie with such firm, like, vehement fury and mm -hmm. indignation it's so good it is such a fervor it's like she is casting a spell to banish ronnie <laughs> yes they are banishing ronnie with the power of their hootie tootie disco cuties it compels yes. him yes this is the so, exorcist yeah this for is sure why it's my like second most watched movie yeah it's just the exorcist it completely tracks then Brayden tells Janet about the time that his dad tried to impress him with a fart, but instead of a fart, a glob of poop came out and it hit the wall, so he's the real bed crapper. It looks like a big brown finger. Yep. Thank you, Brayden. Then Ronnie returns promptly, very quickly, in his greasy form. He busts through the door and slaps the shit out of Brayden before but it's grabbing- it's like such a limp slap. Yeah, it's really just like a, a, like a backhand on his way to grab Janet. So he grabs Janet by the arm and rushes out with her. Once Brayden is able to gather himself up again, he goes back into his father's bedroom to discover a massive, like, oil drum full of grease in his closet. And Brayden says he's not the only one who can get greasy. He's not the only greasy strangler. He's the greasy strangler too. And Brayden gets into the fucking oil drum full of grease and enters his greasy form. He then runs out of the house and uh, almost like a, a counterpart to Big Ronnie's greasy form, like doing the, the pig squealing noises. Brayden's noises are more like a small rodent or a beaver. It's like very uh, chittery. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's very, I'm, I'm sure that that audio is going to sound great. Oh yeah, we're going to have so much fantastic audio for this fucking episode. You, you guys aren't even ready. I am also a person who is like, 
very easily discomforted and upset by like mouth sounds and like Mm -hmm. sloppy wet sounds and so this movie the fact that I love it as much as I do is really a testament to everything that it has going on so greasy Brayden runs down to the horror house to find greasy Ronnie strangling Janet in a theater seat and while we on one hand expect Brayden to break this up and stop his father he doesn't Greasy Ronnie steps aside for Greasy Brayden, who takes over the strangling of Janet. Eventually, Janet's eyeballs pop out, and she dies. And they each take one eyeball, sit down in a theater seat, and eat it. Then they go to the car wash together, hand in hand, and degrease themselves. And in the next scene, we see Ronnie and Brayden walking together on a beach. And they had this very, like, sweet heart-to-heart Ronnie says that he's alright, even though they never really got along. He reminisces about Brayden as a baby and how he loved to cradle him. And Brayden calls him a, an old cornball. They sit on the beach together, and Ronnie recalls sailing with John Travolta when Brayden was a yacht. small child on his yacht, and that John Travolta said that Brayden was a good kid and had good energy. Uh, Ronnie and John Travolta busted their butts on a big business deal, and John had offered him an opportunity to open a place in New Orleans with expensive drinks, and everything was fancy and fancy and incredible and blah blah blah. But Brayden was a child, so Ronnie turned it down. Brayden asks if he's glad he moved in with him, and Ronnie says he'd rather be here with him than in New Orleans with John Travolta. But he really made it tough. His food was dry, and he made it hard to score ass. (laughs) You know? Hey, at least he's honest. Yeah. And then they they make some really ugly remarks about how disgusting Janet was. Yeah, they make some some fun body shaming hour. Yeah, slut shaming, body shaming, etc. And how she faked all of her orgasms, and they don't need her. Ronnie draws a heart in the sand and looks at Brayden. And then Brayden says, let's kill Ricky Prickles. Let's kill Ricky Prickles. (laughs) They start chanting, let's kill Ricky Prickles. And then they laugh and their laughter becomes grim and maniacal. And here we get to the end of the movie, which is really interesting. (laughs) And it really really, thought provoking. It is. It's very thought provoking. And it takes this movie in a place I did not expect in my life i would say the last five to ten minutes of the greasy strangler are um (laughs) a thoughtful commentary (laughs) and also just a huge extended allusion to ten thousand years bc which if you are not a film person and slash or i i don't mean this in a shitty way but if you're gen z you don't know what that movie is you just yeah yeah um, so we find ourselves in a wooded area. It, I feel like this is very clearly California. Mm-hmm. We see a man running away in his underwear saying, fuck you guys. He's a professional sprinter and they'll never catch him. It's Ricky Prickles. Also, the subtitles uh, on the DVD here do not say professional sprinter. Yeah. Uh, if I recall correctly, it says It's a professional sphincter. Oh! Sphincter. No, sphincter. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. I just remember it was like the totally wrong word and I had to <laughs> rewind it to be like, wait a minute. Yeah, that came up in the Amazon Prime subtitles too. And I was like, that's not what he says. That is Excuse 100%. Me. He's not a professional sphincter. Thank you. I am. I know. I, I, I aspire to become a professional sphincter personally, so I'm insulted by this. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Fuck. So Greasy Ronnie and Greasy Brayden are chasing him. They eventually catch him, kill him, and devour him over a fire. We see them kind of traversing nature together, hunting and hiding under leaves and being general, like, wild feral creeps. 
But then we see another scene unfolds in which normal Ronnie and normal Brayden without the grease are tied to wooden logs and they are being shot by a firing squad. Weird. While greasy Ronnie and greasy Brayden like look on from afar. Yeah, like they, they see this, they notice this and watch it. So normal Brayden and normal Ronnie are shot by this firing squad and then their, the tops of their heads pop open and explode like carbonated something, like soda. There's like confetti and they just like boop. And this is actually soda the most fountain. texturally confusing part of the movie to me is what the fuck is coming out of their heads. Yeah, it looks like soda. It's very bubbly. It reminds me of the inside of those little like snake things we had as kids. Little water yeah. Um, it yeah. looks like that. And I'm just like, how do you make so much? It's really bizarre. Yeah. It's just a very confusing thing to look at. Extremely confusing to see. So the greasy versions of themselves run away and we see them carrying spears, completely feral, just growling and kind of like pointing at the camera. And then the credits roll. Yep. And that's how the movie ends. That's the greasy strangler. Wow. How did you feel about this movie, Chris? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but what do you think? I mean, I adore this movie. Uh, This is one of my favorite movies to show people for the first time and just, like, absorb their reactions, like, sustenance. Yeah. It's a fun movie to show people. It's fun to throw on at parties. Yeah, for sure. It's fun to throw on at parties when it's, like, everybody's kind of chilling out and wants to watch something, but it's not something where, like, you have to pay too much attention because then inevitably everyone pays attention. Yes. It is definitely not a movie where you have no opinion of it, you're bored by it. I cannot imagine anyone, like, not caring about this movie. <laughs> like, everybody yeah, has an opinion about it. a reaction to this. Yeah, and I also feel like many people's original reaction is not what their reaction ultimately ends up being. Yeah. I think Emily is a really good example. Emily fucking mm-hmm. hated this movie the first time she saw it, and because we live together, she has had to coexist with my <laughs> dumbass. So, like, at this point, she's seen it multiple times and has come to, like, quietly angrily appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. The public reception to this movie is really interesting because in my research of various responses and reviews back in 2016, 2017, after it debuted at Sundance, where obviously there were a lot of walkouts, a lot of extremely polarized responses. It was either you love this and thought it was hilarious or you fucking hated it. There's a lot of reviews from like Variety, The Guardian, and RogerEbert.com that were like, this is obscene and bizarre and childish. It's potty humor. It's stupid, etc., etc. Like, how how does anybody like this kind of stuff? And then on the flip side, there's a lot of people who are like, this is amazing. We've never seen anything like this before. It's so goofy, so wild, so genius, like all of these things. So even the the uh, Rotten Tomato score is like 50-50, basically. The, yeah, it's like at 63%, yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. So you're either on one side or the other with this one. Obviously, we are clearly firmly on the we love it side. I love yeah. this movie a lot. Some biographical info on this. The director, Hosking, said that he had been writing scripts with his friend Toby Harvard. They were very methodical and rigorous, so they wanted to write something that was completely self-indulgent, stupid, and fun. Just to make each other laugh, they were like, how far can we push the comedy, the timing, and the feel of this? So that's really where the Greasy Strangler came from. They were just trying to make each other laugh because they were writing a ton of, like, very serious, grim shit, so. I love that. Yeah, I love that and appreciate it. And yeah. they they ended up making a movie out of this. On the prosthetics, 
Oh, God. So Sky Elabar finally recalled that the elaborate rig that kept his prosthetic penis affixed to his pelvis was glued to his balls and very painful to get off. Oh, no. And there was also a thong thing that went up my butt and they glued that to my back. Dude, it was so uncomfortable. Oh, my God. <laughs> For Durazzo, who played Janet... Durazzo had to wear a flouncy-looking merkin for her numerous nudity uh, scenes that was gigantic. And then Elobar and St. Michael's had to wrestle themselves into a zip-up bodysuit, which was drenched in faux grease every day. They then had to spend two hours picking the crud out of their hair every night. Sky Elobar recalls, I gave everything I could to this fucking thing. Also, Michael St. Michael's prosthetic penis was made from a pool cue. What? Yeah. Wild. What? <laughs> Wild and oh, awful. God. Oh, God. The, or, the original cut of the Greasy Strangler was over two hours I and saw ten that. minutes long. They cut long. 45 minutes of material. Oh, my God. How how was it that long? I'm so glad that they did. Yeah. I'm not sure that I really need the director's cut. <laughs> I would watch it once. I would watch it see. once. But, but I feel like this is a good, tight film yeah. as it is. Nothing here is, uh, despite the, like, lingering shots of butts and the bullshit yeah. artist, like, none of it actually feels superfluous. Yes. Yeah. Everything is important here. Yeah. And I have, uh, I have this quote from Collider. Um, there's one thing that Durazzo, the actress who played Janet, wants you to know she didn't do, and that is not, in fact, her ass, that chance, hootie tootie disco cutie. She said, I just want to tell people, by the way, that ass cut, that wasn't my ass. I don't have an ass. They had to get a body to get a double because she has a tiny butt. She said, there's no way my butt could clap. And... For the record, the butt double in question had a great time. Hosking recalls that getting the shot in a matter of minutes, too embarrassed to properly introduce himself to her. It was the last shot of the day. She had been quietly reading a book in craft services all day. She came in, got her butt out, quickly did the scene, and then said to everybody, that's the most fun I've ever had at work. Respect. Respect, <laughs> yeah. All right, butt double. I love that. I love that a lot. There's... Oh, yeah. So much about this movie that is so buck wild, and I really love it. So before we get into Hot Take Corner, do you have any particular, like, fun facts or thoughts on the movie that you want to bring up? I feel like our Hot Take Corner is probably going to touch on most of anything I was going to say in that regard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, just give this movie a chance. Watch it twice. Yeah. Watch it once. Give yourself some time. Watch yeah. it again. <laughs> Digest or it. watch and it then... back to back. Yeah. I didn't expect to love this movie because I would say the closest movie I can think of in tone is like Napoleon Dynamite or a Nacho Libre. Yeah. And those are movies that I have nostalgic fondness for but hated at the time. Mm -hmm. And tonally, this feels a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Give it a chance. Give it a greasy yeah. chance. Yeah. Take a chance on Greece. Oh, yeah. Doo -doo -doo -beep -boop. Mm -hmm. Abba reference. Hootie tootie. Cute. Oh, nice. Do you have a hot take that you want to share before I get into mine? This is just Moulin Rouge, but with, like, way more Greece and fewer musical numbers is basically my hot take. Like, this is... It's just Moulin Rouge. If you like Moulin Rouge <laughs> and you don't like the Greasy Strangler, I don't know what's wrong with you because they're the same movie. <laughs> Down to the cast, frankly. Mm -hmm. So... That's it. That's all. It's Moulin Rouge. Fair enough. It's the same plot. Yeah. The man falls in love with a lady. 
lady falls in love with him and then she goes and sleeps with another man for reasons and uh there's a dance number yep <laughs> the dance number is hootie tootie disco cutie <laughs> yes so all right so for my hot take corner i felt this way b- before really getting into um reading some of the background for this movie So according to the director, this is really, to him, an intimate story about the relationship between a father and son, the growth of the son away from his father and his father's efforts to keep him close and prevent him from leaving. But I kind of take issue with that because it's really not addressing the violence that's in the movie and the violence towards others, towards Janet. This just doesn't account for how much Ronnie kills most of the people that would, like, bring Brayden astray from him. In a ritualized manner, he does it in. Yes. And I hate, I feel like I'm slowly turning my hot take corner into Donna rants about the patriarchy oh, corner. It's <laughs> but it's it's so present in this movie. Yeah. Like, there's, it, it's hard to ignore this. Uh, I feel like this movie, um, when you break it down into the actions taken by Ronnie, the actions taken by Brayden, and how ultimately, like, Brayden adheres to Ronnie's behaviors, this is, yeah, this is about generational patriarchy. It's, like, Big Ronnie represents a patriarchal hegemony that dictates what Brayden, who falls into the masculine coming-of-age archetype, he dictates what he is allowed to do, who he's allowed to see, and uh, continually kind of degrades the more feminine traits that he exhibits. In response to Brayden attempting to forge his own direction in life, Big Ronnie reacts with violence and kills a lot of those people who would kind of bring Brayden away from that path. I mean, like crypto-homosexual perfect child oinker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oinker represents deviation from the path. um oinker is the true anarchist yeah he also forces a bizarre kind of competition for his soul like prospective partner and intentionally poisons that relationship brayden is repeatedly abused and victimized by this behavior not only from ronnie but also from ricky prickles that doesn't end until brayden finally embraces those behaviors himself Finally, when he becomes, quote-unquote, Gracie Brayden and starts attacking other people, Ronnie is the biggest antagonist and conflict in his life. And then afterwards, Ronnie finally shows him some love and acceptance. It's Ronnie as, like, the the form of structural and social patriarchy forcing Brayden to adhere to his behaviors, um, attacking Janet and Ricky Prickles. And it's only at that point that Brayden is permitted any kind of acceptance. And that the end, the end, though, is so bizarre to me. And it really throws me for a loop because it's like they embrace this form of violent misogyny. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, like, abandon their civilized selves. It's uh, almost Freudian that they are abandoning abandoning their egos and fully embracing their ids. Do you know what it makes me think of? What? I'm gonna get political here. Oh, Operation Werewolf. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought about that, too. What? It's it's a bit, it really yeah, it's a bit like that. that. Like, eco-fascist, identitarian masculinity that exists yeah. within parts reject of the modernity embrace yeah like, it's, it's yeah hyper masculine sure. hyper like it's weird because uh the alt-right likes to talk about identity politics but they're really into identitarianism <laughs> they're yeah they're really into identity like, very much embracing this like <laughs> 
primitive, for lack of a better word, like masculinity yeah. and tribalism, and it's like yeah. comprised of this very violent, str- like physically strong <laughs> archetype. And it's like we're yeah. watching. But it's hilarious because Brayden and Ronnie are like nasty, yeah. frumpy dudes. They're not the <laughs> ideal that Operation Werewolf They're not and other, at like, all. eco-fascist organizations strive for. And yeah. yet somehow in this movie, they are the embodiment of it. Yeah. And that's ultimately. What, that's my hot take. This is yeah. Operation Werewolf. <laughs> Get fucked. I think that's hilarious and applicable for sure. Like, I think ultimately at the end of the movie, they have killed and or alienated everyone to the point where they are just alone in the woods, naked, covered in grease, carrying spears. That's it. (laughs) Hot take over. Hot take over. That's hilarious. I love that we got to that. Hey, uh, what's your fucking name? I almost said Robbie Williams. And I was like, oh, that's the singer. Hey, Paul Wagoner, this is about you. Jack Donovan, this is about you. I think that's incredibly funny. Uh, That is the logical conclusion. That is kind of where this movie goes. And it is absolutely not what the director said, but I see it for sure. I have to give, like, some ups to um, May Light's uh, of Nick Spears because, like, she has a a very incredible breakdown of of this movie where she talks about this movie as, like, a hyper masculine mm-hmm. takedown and like i've not been able to unsee it ever since yeah. and also like this this does really uh remind me a lot of like a counterpoint slash companion piece to gray mm-hmm. gardens which is very much about a like similarly codependent mother-daughter relationship yeah. i also really want to just like watch these two movies back to back and see how they play off yeah. of one another because they're very similar in mm-hmm. concept I have not seen Grey Gardens, so that would be valuable to watch. I have the Criterion collection if you'd like to come over um, when you have yeah, a party and, and watch it. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, on a scale of one to five, how would you rate this? I have this at a one. Me too. Yeah. I think it is immediately watchable. The content warnings are not too heinous. Yeah, they're not. Um, it is really just... The content warnings for this movie are gross things for the most part. Anything that's mm-hmm. not gross doesn't happen on screen, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's puerile in a way that's fun. Yes, I totally agree. Would you recommend it? Oh yeah, big all capital yeah. letters, yes, <laughs> recommend it. We'll watch it with yeah. you if you need someone to be like your emotional support grease boy, mm-hmm. like, yes. I am here, I am ready to get greasy, I am mm-hmm. so, like, this, I, I am so enthusiastic about this movie. I love the Greasy yeah. Strangler, y'all. Me too. I would also recommend it. Like, obviously, uh, anybody who's into that weird uh, Tim and Eric shit is going to like this. Yeah. You're going to like it. You're going to love the way you look when you're covered in grease. Yeah. If you like what Elijah Wood has just been up to in general, this is down your yeah. alley. Yep. For sure. For sure. For sure. Any final thoughts? Uh, I could feast on that queen's ass all night long. Perfect. Yes. Hey, Chris, what are we doing next week or next month, I should say? We are going to dive deep into uh, delicious, delicious body horror, and we are going to watch Tetsuo the Iron Man. Yes! Yes! I didn't know that until the moment you said it, and now I'm super, super stoked. Yes. I am here for dick penis land. Let's Or dick penis land? Iron (laughs) drill dick penis land. Yes. I don't know that I want to go to dick penis land, but I do want to go to iron drill penis land. Let's find out. So we're going. (laughs) All right. 
Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and possibly your very cool and accepting family members. Email us at info at shitlistpod.com. Follow us for updates and news on social media at shtlstpod or facebook.com slash shtlst. Filth is our politics. Filth is our life. Bye. Bye. Porto Trump.